Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. And today there were, well, the Cubs started at noon, the South Bend Cubs started at noon, and Tennessee started at 1. The Myrtle Beach and Iowa games start at 5 Central, so I have a little bit of a tiny window to record a podcast in between on something other than specifically the games. And there really weren't any roster moves that have to be discussed yet. Um, The Cubs' struggles are continuing as they lost to the Marlins, but you already knew that. This podcast is specifically on one prospect who is doing very well. Jonathan Perlaza is a switch hitting, well, now he's an outfielder. He's 5'11", originally 170. I don't know if the 170 still carries or not. He's probably, he's probably bigger than that. He's from Venezuela. One of the questions people often ask, one of the questions people often ask, why? Why do the Cubs draft so many middle infielders, so many shortstops? One of the things with middle infielders, one of the things with especially with shortstops, if they're struggling defensively, you can move them. If you draft a left fielder, if you sign a left fielder internationally and he's not good enough to play left field, well, there's really not a whole lot of other options. You can move him to first. You can try him in right. Maybe he can work in right better than left, but there really aren't a whole lot of options. If a team drafts a player that's up the middle defensively and it's just not working. There are other things you can try. If the bat's there, there are other things you can try. And Perlaza is one of those reasonably vivid examples. Um, 2016 was his first year. He was in the Dominican Summer League. 697 OPS. Nothing horribly spectacular, but it got him stateside. Arizona League in 2017, 592 OPS. Again, nothing spectacular, nothing to get uh, totally stressed out, hyped out over. Um, He had been a highly signed, highly sought after. I'm quite sure it was a seven-figure bonus signing. So you expected something from him. Uh, second year in Arizona League, uh, seven six nine OPS, so it was better. 2019, he was in the Midwest League, .667 OPS. Okay. Again, not, nothing to uh, start setting off bottle rockets over or anything. One of the problems with Perlaza, I don't have this bookmarked anywhere, but I seem to remember this from one or two Arizona Phil articles. When he would have a bad play, a bad game defensively, he was prone to taking it out to the field with him. So if he would boot a ground ball at shortstop, boot a ground ball at third base, boot a ground ball at second base, make a couple errors. He would take it, uh, no, 
he wouldn't take it out to the field, and that's where he was. He'd take it to the plate. So if he was having a bad stretch in the field, he wouldn't hit very well, which wasn't specifically very good. And at some point during the COVID sector, the Cubs decided, Perlaza, we like the bat, we like the bat, but he's not doing it defensively well enough to be a second baseman, third baseman, shortstop. We're going to put him out in right field. Still uh, still like the, the arm. Still like the arm, still like the bat, still like the other stuff, but we want to take a little bit of pressure off of him offensively, put him in the outfield, let him go from there. Uh, this season, 31 walks, 70 strikeouts, 258 batting average, 340 on base, 442 slugging, 782 OPS. The thing that is kind of the most eye popping 10 home runs after. Six total before. The power is starting to show up. When you have a switch hitting outfielder and the power is starting to arrive, that's a good thing. Power is often later. You don't walk in with power. You walk in with other things. The power develops later. Perlaza is getting in-game power Decent chunk of it. Well, he, South Bend isn't an easy home run park. There are spots that you can get a cheapie here or there, but it's not an easy home run park. He's got 10. That's legit. That's legitimate power. What sent me over the top as far as doing a particular podcast on Jonathan Perlaza today, he walked in the, what was it, third inning? His second time up. I think it was the second time up. Might have even been his first. I think it was the second time up. Um, that gives him a 21 game on base streak. That'll work. That will do. He's getting toward that point where actually there's a number of guys like this. There's a number of guys like this. Uh, you can toss in Jared Young. You can toss in Nelson Velazquez. You can toss in Jonathan Perlaza. Whole bunch of guys that the bats are starting to come around. There are various levels of questions of defense or readiness. Any of these guys could get pegged in the Rule 5 draft. Any of them could get pegged in the Rule 5 draft. And at some point, people are going to ask, well, who are you going to protect? Because you don't want to lose any, you don't want to lose anyone. Well, honestly, honestly, it's not horrible to lose players in the Rule 5 draft. It's not horrible to lose players in the Rule 5 draft. What you don't want to do is lose players in the Rule 5 draft who you should have protected and you should have known that they were starting to break out. And you should have known that they would have been selected. For instance, Akil Badu from the Twins. The Twins were at that point where they had one last go, one last push, one last try to make it to the postseason, and they decided, they, they made a number of choices. And one of them was leaving Akil Badu unprotected, and the Tigers took him, and he is probably going to be with the Tigers for a while. Um, the Cubs are going to have some tough choices, and 
as you look at them being the eighth, soon to be seventh best pipeline in baseball, they're going to have some players that are taken. They are going to have some players taken. And it's not a horrible thing to say, crap, we lost a guy in the Rule 5 draft. You don't want to lose a guy who's going to be an all-star, a regular all-star. You don't want to lose that. There will always be a case of a team saying, I think we can get more out of this guy than the Cubs did, or the Cubs took a 40-60 gamble and they made a bad guess. There's always going to be that kind of stuff. It's If you're going to protect every player that you don't want to lose in the Rule 5 draft, you're going to end up keeping 46 guys, but you can only keep 40. At some point, you're going to have to decide with some of these players, if we lose him, more power to him. I hope he does well. But if he comes back, that's good. Jonathan Perlaza is getting toward that point. He makes perfect sense to me as a Arizona Fall League guy because he started to get hot late and he looks good now putting him in Arizona Fall League, getting him some at-bats. Perlaza and Davis on the same Arizona Fall League team. They're going to get some offensive opportunities in the outfield. Um, you get a look. You get a look. And if Perlaza or if it's um, Velazquez that's sent or if it's uh, <sighs> any of some of the guys, when these 50-50 guys are sent to the Arizona League. If they shred there, if they get it done there, then you protect them. If they struggle, you can at least say, I can justify my decision on them struggling in Arizona. It gets to a point, it gets to a point where it's really not possible. To protect everyone. It's really not possible. It's really not desirable. To keep everyone. Because again. You're going to end up taking up too many roster spots. And when you look at it. Uh, some players get to. Um, the other organization. Michael Rucker. Got to the Baltimore organization. And actually looked really good in spring training. He looked really good. And I think he had a zero ERA. But Baltimore also realized, you know what? We're not going to be able to keep this guy. Cubs had Gray Fenter last offseason. And pretty much regardless how he did, he was going to have to go pretty much on the first day that he could because the Cubs had other guys they needed. Um... Perlaza could get pegged in the Rule 5 draft. And getting a look at him in the Arizona League would probably be a good idea, probably be a useful idea. And if he does well there, then um, 
he might earn a spot. Fortunately for the Cubs in the situation they're in, sometimes a 40-man roster spot or another might be inexpensive. Now you can you can burn a 40-man roster spot on a Perlaza. This year they used a 40-man roster spot on Christopher Morrell, who was not going to appear in a major league game all year. Uh, Cubs have a couple other guys who are taking up 40-man roster spots that are a bit fringe. Uh, Anderson Espinoza, um, Alexander Vizcaino, Alexander Canario. But at some point, a couple things to keep in mind, a couple things to keep in mind, a couple things to keep in mind. It isn't horrible to lose a player in the Rule 5 draft. Half of them get returned anyway. If you have a player, goes over to another organization, learns some stuff, hears some stuff from another hitting coach, learns some stuff from another pitching coach, goes through, plays some major league spring training games, does some things, struggles a bit, has some success, ends up coming back. That's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world for a player to go somewhere, try something out. Eh, it didn't quite work. What is kind of harmful is losing a really major player in the Rule 5 draft. Another thing to keep in mind is since Rule 5 draft the Rule 5 draft requires you to decide, should this guy take up a 40-man roster spot? Doesn't matter if you're talking about Frank Schwindel. Doesn't matter if you're talking about um, Dakota Chalmers, who I talked a bit about. Same sort of a situation. Jonathan Peralaza. Since there are so many players that you could possibly justify. I'm going to recite, re- re-emphasize all three of those words. Could possibly justify a spot for Perlaza, for Jared Young, for Nelson Velazquez, for Dakota Chalmers. And since you're already probably going to be using one on Frank Schwindel, possibly on Janeshwi Fargus, Take the entire long view. And if there is a player who you don't have to add, who you don't have to add, let's throw in Ethan Roberts as well. Ethan Roberts could be a leverage reliever really soon. He could justify a roster spot. So what you don't want to do Late in a season, out of, oh my goodness, this team is doing horribly. I bring up anybody, anything is better than this. Um, no, really not. The goal ought to be what's the best for the team long term. What's the best for the team long-term? And you can kind of get to that answer. You can kind of get to that answer by if Brennan Davis were called up for five or six games. Just a hypothetical. Not going to happen. But, you know, in a lot of people, yeah, bring up Brennan Davis so we can at least watch him play. 
What is the upside? Well, he could possibly benefit from it by... Da, 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 da. Yeah, he could. He's also benefiting from facing double-A pitching, and he'd benefit from facing triple-A pitching. He'd benefit from playing in the fall league. There's, there's no compulsion to run him up to the major league and tie up a 40-man roster spot, preventing Jonathan Peralaza from getting a chance of getting protected or whatever. Ben Leeper. Oh, but the bullpen's terrible. We have to bring him up. Why? What, what, where, where's the have to? Where's the compulsion? Where is the benefit? Well, I, I, I'd like to see him better. No, that's not compulsion. That's, that's being very greedy. That's being very childish. What you want the Cubs to do in a situation like this, what specific boxes are being checked by calling him up? Called up Ryan Meisinger. They're going to give him a look. Is he good? Is he terrible? Got lit up today. Not a good thing. Players that the Cubs have rights to, if they retain them, are the ones that should get the first call. The second call should go to players who are probably going to get Rule 5 protected in the offseason regardless. So if Ethan Roberts gets a call up in mid-September, that's because he was probably going to get protected anyway. Perlaza, probably I will say no. Probably I will say no regarding a 40-man roster spot. And he could get pegged by somebody. Which is why I think sending him to the Arizona League makes so darn much sense. Then, of course, when you get to the Arizona League, I might have a list of 20 guys that belong there, too. So, But then I'm biased. So, um, Jonathan Perlaza, hopefully you know a little bit more about him now than you did before. 21 game on base streak with a walk today. And... South Bend didn't do so well. They didn't do well do so well from the very start, but with Perlaza getting on, I said if he gets on, I will do a podcast on him. Check mark to the Jonathan Perlaza podcast. I hope you learned something. I will have more of these periodically because I think you ought to know about things for I think you ought to know about players and I ought to do a better job of doing podcasts on individual players. So when somebody says, hey, Tim, what you got about Jonathan Perlaza? I can shoot him a podcast. I, that's what I came up with. Um, be safe. Have a great rest of your Sunday. And there's a couple of my early games. Feel free.